Okay, so today we will go ahead and take a look at Acts chapter 2. So you can go ahead and open your Bibles up there. Acts chapter 2. We studied Acts chapter 1 the last time we were together. And the followers of Jesus, uh, along with the 11 disciples, had followed the command of Jesus and were now gathered in an upper room in Jerusalem. We saw when we studied chapter 1 last week that a group of them had seen the ascension of Jesus and the 11 had held a meeting and found a replacement for Judas to bring their number back up to 12 disciples. And we will pick it up this morning here in verse 1 of chapter 2 where it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Okay, so it says here that they were all with one accord in one place. Okay, the original Greek word used for the word accord is the word homothumadon. Okay, and I won't try and say that too many times, but I don't expect you to remember that word, but the point of me telling you that is because that word is, is a very unique word in the New Testament. It is used only 12 times in the New Testament. And 10 of those 12 times are here in the book of Acts. And that word really describes the uniqueness of the born-again Christian community. That's what's important about that word. Homothumadon. Okay? It's a compound word of two words, right? Meaning to rush along and in unison. So to rush along in unison. Picture an orchestra made up of, say, 30 people or so. All of them are trying to play their instruments together despite their size, right? It's not easy to get all of those different instruments to play in unison. Different notes are sounding, but they all harmonize in one pitch and tone, right? And there is a conductor standing up in front of them that is leading and directing it all. Well, that is this word, homothumadon, okay? Or accord in our English language. And it indicates what is taking place in this room here where these believers are gathered. They are all there for the same purpose. Remember, they have followed the command of Jesus to gather in one place, and they are in unison. You see, there is a tremendous power when believers come together for the purpose of waiting on the Lord. And unfortunately, I think we lack this in many of our gatherings today. And we lack this in our household as Christian families as well. What changes do you think we could see in our personal lives, in our families, our communities, our nation, and the world around us if we would just take more time to gather together to seek the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you ever wonder why we don't see more of the works of the Holy Spirit in our lives today? 
Is it because he is not faithful? Or is it because we are not faithful? Is it because he is not in our presence? Or is it because we don't spend time in his presence? You see, the Holy Spirit is a promise of Jesus Christ. He told us that the Father would send him. But like we discussed last week, the clear-cut purpose for the Holy Spirit coming upon us is so that we can be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Do you have unsaved family members, friends, or neighbors? As a Christian, as a born-again Christian, have you gathered together as a group of believers to pray for the people in your family or in your neighbors? Do you gather together with other Christians at all? Are there struggles in your family life? Have you dedicated time? Have you set time aside to seek the Lord in regards to these family struggles? You see, the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. He is the teacher for us today. But if we ignore him or give him a lack of attention, why would we expect to see his power on display in our lives? Why would we expect to see people around us getting saved? Let's look at some scriptures that speak about our family lives while I'm talking about this subject here. Go ahead and mark this page and turn in your Bible to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. It's to the right of the book of Acts. You'll find Romans and then First and Second Corinthians and Galatians and then Ephesians. So Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll start reading in verse 22. Again, I brought up the topic of our family lives, right? Verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with a washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands, ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So as it relates to marriage, this type of thing spoken about in these verses does not come easy. And that's because we all have fleshly natures that go against the things being spoken of here in these verses. There is no way that a husband and wife can live this kind of life 
if not for the leading of the Holy Spirit. If they as individuals are not yielded to the Holy Spirit, they cannot live this kind of life. Many, many marriages do not work out today because the marriage is not led by the Spirit of God. It's led by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. It's led by people wanting what they want. You see, and we as fleshly beings are prone to fall into either one of those categories, that one of those categories I just said, the lust of the eye, the, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life, right? We need the power of the Holy Spirit to make our marriage work. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, period, to make anything work. But here again, the Holy Spirit will not force himself into your marital relationship. The Holy Spirit will not force himself into your parenthood. You see, the fruits of the Spirit will keep in check the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You see, the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to do that, but we must yield to that power. But let's look at another family dynamic. Turn up one chapter to chapter 6 of Ephesians. Same book here, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. So this is what I was mentioning about your parenthood. So here we see a responsibility to raise children up in the training and admonition of the Lord. This is the duty of a born-again Christian parent. To train up your children in the admonition of the Lord. And we also see for the of-age children that may be listening to the teaching here today, that you need to obey your parents in the Lord. And you need to honor your father and honor your mother. And this is a commandment that comes with a promise. And that promise is that it will be well with you and you will live long on the earth. But here again, without the power of and the fruits of the Holy Spirit, this will not be possible. You see, people love to, to blame the failure of things on God. But yet they, yet they don't yield to His Holy Spirit to lead them in this life. They'd rather be led by their flesh. They'd rather do what they want to do. You see, the fleshly nature causes a child to rebel. And that is why it is so important that we train up our children in the Lord. What does that mean, to train up our children in the Lord? It means to train them up in the Word of the Lord. And to lead them and guide them along his, in His way. Right? We must teach them the things of the Spirit. 
But if you haven't been brought up that way, then, well, there's no excuse for you because you yourself can now make the choice to walk by the leading of the Spirit. Remember, when a person is born again, they're dead to something and alive to something new. They die to their old nature. If any man is in Christ, the Bible says, old things have passed away, all things become new. But yet many people just treat their salvation as, well, I walked down the aisle one day, or I said this prayer, I'm saved, and then they go on living the way they want. You know, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says that we should walk in the Spirit. It says that if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, that kind of tells us something, don't, don't it? If, if you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh, then you're not walking in the Spirit. So don't blame God when failure comes along because He has given us of His Spirit that we are to walk in. And back in Acts chapter 2, these believers that are all gathered there in this upper room, they were there out of obedience to the Lord. And something happened. So I'm back in Acts chapter 2 and verse 2. What happened? It says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, is speaking in tongues the only evidence that you are filled with the Holy Spirit? Many people right off the bat, when I ask that question, will say, yes, it is. Many churches will say, yes, it is. But what we need to do is look at Scripture. And we need to look at what Scripture says about this, right? So, I'm going to have you mark this page again, and we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Again, it's to the right of the book of Acts, just after the book of Romans. And I know this is crazy, but hang in there. We're only going to cover 11 verses of Acts today, but we're going to look at other scriptures in the meantime. But what I was saying about it being crazy is we're going to read the whole chapter here. Uh, chapter 12, okay, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And again, back in Acts chapter 2, we saw that when the Holy Spirit came upon the believers, they spoke in other languages. But starting here in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. So you see, that applies to all of us here. We are Gentiles, right? And we live in a world of idols that for the most part does not follow the one true God. Okay, when I say we're Gentiles, hopefully you understand that if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Okay, So 
Again, we, we live in a world of idols that, do, that does not follow the one true God. Verse 3, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you remember, Jesus said in John chapter 3, when we studied that some time back, and you can turn in your Bible there if you'd like and find it, but in John chapter 3, Jesus said we must be born again. And he also called being born again, he called it being born of the Spirit. And unless one is born of the Spirit, right, we see here that it says they cannot say that Jesus is Lord of their lives. So it's very important to be born of the Spirit. And a person must be born again in, in order to say that they're born of the Spirit. Verse 4 says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Lord. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So, everyone that is born again and has the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, just like we saw in Acts chapter 2, that the Holy Spirit came upon each one in the room. But the purpose for the manifestation of the Spirit is for the profit of all. In other words, when one is under the leading of the Holy Spirit, as with the conductor of an uh, an orchestra, everyone else around that person gets the benefit of the Holy Spirit's work. Now, we'll see here some specific gifts mentioned as we go on. Verse 8, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Okay, not as you will. Not as a, a church doctrine wills, but it's as the Holy Spirit wills. Verse 12, <clears throat> excuse me. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Now let me pause right here and say, of course this is talking to born-again believers in Jesus Christ. So for those of you that may be listening for the first time, you've stumbled upon this teaching, right? And you say, well, what does this have to do with me? Nothing if you're not born again. Okay, but if you are born again, that has everything to do with you. Okay, verse 14 For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing, where would be the hearing? If the whole we're hearing, where would be the smelling? 
But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So you see, if you have surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ today, you have repented, right, of being led by your flesh. You've turned from that. And you now should be seeking to be led by the Spirit. And if you have, then God has gifted you uniquely for the purpose of benefiting others and the body of Christ and sharing the love of Christ with the world around you. You have a gift to be used. The things that God can do by His Spirit are too innumerable for us to put into one little box that many call their church doctrine or their religion. And people like to say, oh, it's just speaking in tongues. That's all it is. But you see, you have the ability to be used by God in the lives of people that I myself may never come in contact with. There are family and and friends of yours that will not come here to listen to a Bible study, but God has gifted you to reach them. The Holy Spirit within you will shine through you and into the lives of others if you will just yield to His leading. And if verse 19 continues, it says, And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. You see, if I could just expound on this again briefly here, I would say it to you this way. The pastor slash teacher can't say to the person listening to this Bible study, I am the only one called, okay? Nor can one pastor in a neighborhood think that he's the only one called to that whole area, right? The Sunday school can't say to anyone else, hey, I'm only, I'm the only teacher of children around here. It's not true. We are all set as members of, of the body and are able to impact the lives of others. As a father, as a mother, as a husband, as a wife, as an employee, as an employer, as a brother, as a sister, wherever we are in life, we need to use the gifts that the Lord has given to us to help others around us. And don't let anyone stifle you in that. Don't let anyone tell you you have no place in that. The world's too big. Again, I know we have made our churches and we exclude people and we include those and we exclude those and so forth and so on, you know. But the world's far bigger than that. And the body of Christ is far bigger than one church building. And there are people all around that need the gift that you have. Verse uh, 22 says, No, Much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but 
our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. So don't lift up a pastor slash Bible teacher. Right? Let's continue on. Verse 26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, for the sake of you listening by podcast or on the internet, I'm assuming (laughs) that you're reading along with me in the Bible. And of course, if you're in a car or you're just someplace you can't do it, that's cool. But If you can, read along with me, because there are times when I'll interject something, and I'm not adding to the Word of God. I'm just kind of interjecting something, assuming that you're holding me to the book, you know, that you're reading along with me here. But anyway, what we see and what we know is that we should be gathering in prayer more often. We should know each other's heartaches and each other's joys. This way we can pray for one another. We can rejoice with one another as the body of Christ. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And I want to stress that word individually there. You are a member of the body of Christ individually. You are not a member of the body of Christ because of your church affiliation. The Lord sees you as an individual and you must seek him and desire to be used by him as an individual. Now, there are, of course, certain callings within the body of Christ. And verse 28 says, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, varieties of tongues, Right, So these are an example of things that are at work within the body of Christ. Now within those eight giftings lifted there, there are multiple applications. For example, how many teachers do we need in the body of Christ? I believe a million wouldn't be enough. I believe there should be many in one neighborhood. What about where it says helps there. How many different ways can we reach out and help people today? Varieties of tongues, right? How many different languages do we need to preach the gospel in? Every possible one, right? So the point is that there is something for each and every one of us to do as an individual member of the body of Christ. Don't limit the work of the Spirit to just a few gifts. Because verse 29 says, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Now, the obvious answer to all those questions is no, right? We don't all have the same gifts. And that is what this chapter is pointing out. The ways in which the Holy Spirit can use us are innumerable. 
And verse 31 says, But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. So after talking about all these gifts, even with all that, all those gifts we just saw, there is still a more excellent way. And the next chapter, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, which we'll get to someday in the future, but it's all about that more excellent way. And the more excellent way is love. The greatest gift that God gave the world was love, and his love was shown to us in Jesus Christ. And the greatest gift that the Holy Spirit will work in our lives and through our lives is the gift of love. Let people know about God's love. But while you do that, I also encourage you to seek the Lord for how he wants to use you and how he wants to use the gifts or gift, whatever it may be, that the Holy Spirit has given to you. And as we turn back now to Acts chapter 2, these believers had the Holy Spirit come upon each one of them. And they spoke in other tongues, languages, right? But why did they need these new languages? Was there a purpose for them getting these languages? Well, verse 5 gives us that answer. It says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. So again, all of this was orchestrated by the Holy Spirit at a time when there were people from every nation under heaven gathered in one city. So the 120 people that were in the upper room needed these languages for what? So they could spread the gospel. Not so just that they could think they were cool. Not to get goosebumps. Right, All of these visitors from all these other places were going to hear the gospel and take it back to their land. Remember, Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. That's the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was the purpose of these languages here. And today, God desires for us to do the same thing. Under the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to take the gospel to the people with whom we speak their language. You see, in this case, these 120 followers of Jesus were all given dialects, languages that were known to the different groups of people gathered in Jerusalem on that night. And today, if you speak a different dialect, you can use that language to spread the gospel to others. Maybe it's the, the, the language you were born with. Maybe you didn't receive that language as a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon you, but you can still use that language to reach out to others with the love of God. And God has given us the ability to to learn other languages. Whatever language you use, when you reach out to someone with God's love, the Holy Spirit may manifest a, a gift through you that you didn't even know you had. You see, many people sit back and say, well, what gift do I have? What gift do I have? What gift do I have? None till you get out and step by step out by faith and do something. Okay? You got to get out there and go. You see, the believers were here that we're reading about were obedient to what Jesus told them. Go to Jerusalem and wait. Are you going somewhere and waiting on the Lord? In other words, are you seeking the Lord? Do you have a place where you go and pray and sit and seek the Lord as to how he wants to use you? 
Well, if you don't, you're not going to know your gift. A person may tell you when you go to work or something, they may tell you of a hardship in their lives. And compassion may well up within you and you may you know, feel really bad for that person. What do you do? Help them. Speak to them. Tell them about the love of God. Or just help them in some practical way. That's showing the love of God. Right? And if you think about it, you know, in your workplace, you speak the language of all the people around you. In other words, what I mean by that is you're sharing the the same eight to ten hours a day with them, right? And they need the Lord. And we need to let the world know of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God knows what he is doing in the earth. His love reached you. His love has reached me. And he desires that we, through the power of his Holy Spirit, would reach out to others with love. It's amazing to me that God gave these 120 believers new languages. Again, it's just amazing that he gave it precisely at the time when people from all different nations were all gathered in one place. And as a result of that, the gospel will now begin to be spread through the whole world. And if you have received Jesus Christ, you have been born again, you have repented of your sin, right? Then you have been a beneficiary of the gospel. So here they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they are now spilling out into the streets. And verse 6 says, And when this sound occurred, the, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? So they were hearing their own languages being spoken to them by these believers, and this was amazing to them. Now, can you imagine what would happen if we would come together in one accord, gathered for the sake of receiving power from the Holy Spirit to go out into the world and to speak to people in a way that they understand? In other words, to reach them where they are? each one of us in this room this morning, and each one of the born-again believers that will hear this teaching has the ability given to them by the Holy Spirit to influence the lives of others around them. These people that were in Jerusalem were from different walks of life and different cultures. Verse 9 says that they were Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, right? The proselyte is a convert to Judaism, right? Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So this is totally an amazing event that has taken place in the streets of Jerusalem here. The followers of Jesus were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and were taking the news about the wonderful works of God to the streets. That's what the Holy Spirit will empower us to do. Go and tell the wonderful works of God. And remember, 
That doesn't mean that we're all pastors or teachers. The Holy Spirit is bigger than than that and can use us in a unique and an individual way. But let's also keep something else in mind here. These followers of Jesus that are going out and sharing the wonderful works of God had also been following Jesus around for a few years, right? Keep that in mind. Everywhere he went, they followed, and they hung on every word he said. They ate up his word, and their lives were consumed with Jesus, Jesus, and more Jesus. So we too must eat up his word. We cannot expect his power without filling ourselves up with his word, without spending time with him. You see, it's very important that we grow in the knowledge of him through the reading of his word. But we must also step out in faith, in faith, and share his love with others. Faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit that must be exercised. You see, gifts can grow dormant and eventually die if not used. And faith is that kind of gift. Faith without works is dead. Let me ask you something. Do you know Jesus loves you? Do you know the truth about the cross? Do you know the truth about his death, his burial, his resurrection, that he's coming again? Well, however much you know, however far you have grown at this point in your life, go tell others about it. And just remember, though, that the greatest gift of all is love. So love people enough around you to tell them about Jesus, to tell the people about the wonderful works of God. You see, there's wonderful works that God has done in, in your heart if you've been born again. Tell people about it. And if you, if you can't talk about that for some reason, what about the wonderful works of creation? Tell them about that. Just tell them about God. This is our purpose. This is the reason the Holy Spirit comes upon us as believers in Jesus Christ. God bless. Have a great week.